So we're going to be looking at uh, the passage Matthew 9, um, 18 through 26. This morning, if you'd please ride for reading the word of the Lord. Um, Pastor Frank is celebrating the birth of his a granddaughter. Um, yes. His, his son, Frankie, Frank Jr., um, his wife had a baby on, I think it was Wednesday. Her name is Sh Charlotte. Thank you for the help. So, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really cute. So um, this sermon was actually was going to be preached in right after Christmas, and I had COVID, so that plans changed. Um, but you know what? The Lord had it for today, and the Lord has it for us here. The message is going to be preached. And pay attention to the scriptures and see what the Lord has for you. Let's read together. Matthew um, 9, 18 through 21. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. <clears throat> so Jesus arose and followed him. And so did his disciples. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, If only I touch his garment, I shall be made well. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, I ask that you would minister to our hearts, Lord, that you would speak through your scripture and your word, that you would touch us and lead us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You, you may be seated. So I usually like to ask a question. Of course, this was aimed in December, but I decided not to change the question because we still got nine more months left or so in, in the year. This is good to start out. Um, how can you be more attentive in 2022? So from the rest going on, how could you be more attentive in 2022? 2021, in the beginning of 2022, have been really busy with distractions. I mean, it's getting really busy now that COVID's kind of going down. And it's been chaotic. There's been distractions all over the place. Maybe it's a day-to-day -day routine. Has gotten you busy, family, kids job, um, and you've just kind of been consumed, and we've become less attentive. So as we're walking through, we want to see how can we be more attentive to other people and attentive to the Lord as we go about. So let's look, let's go through the scriptures now. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshiped him, saying, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him. And so did his disciples. So what was happening just before this, Jesus was talking to some of John the Baptist's disciples. John the Baptist's disciples came over, and they had questions about how come your disciples don't fast and we do. And so Jesus is having this discussion. And then you have, as they're discussing this, a synagogue ruler comes in and falls before Jesus' feet and says, my daughter has just died. Come and heal her. And it says he fell before, he says he worshipped him. Uh, now, the translation of the word worship can be translated uh, knelt down in front to show honor or knelt down in front to show great respect, or it could also mean worship. So whether he worshiped him or he saw him, Jesus is a great prophet, a great healer, we don't know exactly how he saw who Jesus was. But he knelt down as great respect and great honor and knowing that he is the one who could heal. His daughter was dead. There was no hope except for Jesus. This is the miracle worker. You know, he's, I've heard he raised the dead before. He's healed people. 
People who are paralyzed can now walk. He's the only one. And he desperately fell before Jesus in asking him um, to heal his daughter. If you just lay your hands on her, she will be healed. So Jesus, being the most attentive person on the face of the earth, he, of course, responded. And what do you think he did? He went and followed and said, okay, let's go. I, I, I'll lay my hands on her, and she'll be healed. So then they go off, and then this, the next verses, verses 20 through 21. And suddenly a woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I shall be made well. So Jesus just got up, was following this religious leader, the synagogue leader, to heal his daughter, raise her from the dead. And all of a sudden, this, you see a switch in the scene. A woman comes on the scene who has been there. She's probably unnoticeable. There's crowds of people. And she wants to, she's longing to be healed from this from her bleeding that's been going on for 12 years. Just if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so you see this woman, she's been bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time. It's probably menstrual bleeding. Um, and it's been chronic. We know from the book of Mark that she went to a bunch of doctors, and it just made her worse. And, and so the idea is that it was probably chronic. It may have come, it may have gone. It could have been... Um, a chronic menstrual disorder, or a uterine hemorrhage. But we know she's been suffering with this frequently for 12 years. That's a long time. And in that culture, understanding the Old Testament, she would have been ritually unclean during those times. She wouldn't be able to, to participate in a lot of, um, uh, of things within the community. She had to tell people she was unclean. This would have brought shame and, 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 and distance and feeling alone in the midst of what she was going through. And here we see in Leviticus, I want to look at Leviticus when it talks about um, what she was able, not able to do and, and how things became unclean. Let's read from Leviticus 15, 25 through 27. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed on which she lies all, day, all the days of her discharge shall be to her as a bed of impurity. And whatever she sits on shall be unclean, as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean till evening." So you have to understand, anything she touches, she sat in a chair, that became unclean. She, she lie on a bed to sleep, that bed became unclean. If somebody else walked and sat on the chair or touched the chair, they became unclean. So they were withheld from some religious um, opportunities, whether it was worshiping in the temple. There's, there's things she couldn't do, certain festivals. And, and so she had to tell people, you know, I'm unclean, no, no, don't come near me. And she would have had to withdraw herself, you know, because... People are traveling from all over, and I don't want to make them unclean. So it would, there would have been some shame connected to this. There would been some heartache. And think about this. In that culture, in that time, if you had some kind of chronic disease, they would say, what, did you, what was your sin that God cursed you like this? What, what did you do? 
So think about that shame. I've had this for 12 years. I'm not getting better. I'm praying to God. Nothing is changing. I'm going to doctors. Nothing helped. And I feel the shame of everybody thinks I'm a bad woman. That Because I must have done something wrong. What did I do? So you had a shame. She would have felt alone, felt ostracized. She would have been withdrawn some. And there's, there's embarrassment. And this is some of the emotions she has been feeling and going through. She would have felt a little bit like an outcast. Maybe some of us are feeling a little bit like that. Maybe we're going through stuff we're hiding and we're not letting people know. Maybe the emotional hurts and pains that are going on in our hearts that we're dealing with and we're hoping that God would fix and heal. And it's, been, it's been a long time and there's just nothing happening. I don't want to share this because what will people think? I can't share this pain I'm going through. They don't really understand. Even I share it, they're like, oh, okay, I'll pray for you. I'm like, they don't get it. Some of you may feel that way, that people just don't get what I'm dealing with. No matter how I explain it, unless somebody's going through the exact same thing, they won't understand. And this is what the woman was feeling. I had a, a phone call. Somebody called me a couple months ago. And I remember he just left a message, and he just wanted to tell me what the Lord was doing. And, and he told me a little bit about his past, and he goes, I had panic attacks. And I was praying and praying for the Lord to heal. It went on for 16 years, and then one day it just stopped. And I praise the Lord. But nobody understood his pain. Nobody understood those panic attacks and the tenseness of what that felt like for how long. And the crying out to the Lord and it's feeling like the Lord didn't respond. Nobody understood that but him. And you may be relating to this woman. You may be saying, I understand this and I'm feeling this. Is there hope for me? So the woman was desperate enough to seek Jesus. And it says here that she came from behind and touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I touch his garment, I shall be made well. Because you see, she saw that he was moving on. You know, that he was going to go with the religious leader uh, to heal his daughter. And all these people are mobbing around. And she says, now's my chance. She's going. I have to. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. And this is somewhat of a, a superstitious time, a superstitious thought that if I, just the clothing, there's healing emanating from, from it, like a prayer cloth or something like this. This was that time that they believed that that would happen. And, if, and so was her faith in the prayer cloth, like in her clothes, was the faith in him? But we also see in the, in the, in the book of Acts that Peter would be walking, and his shadow, people would lay people down on the side of the road, and just his shadow, people would be healed. We also read in the New Testament that they would, um, Paul had an apron, and they would pass it around, and people would be healed. Was it the cloth that did it? Was it the shadow that did it? No, it was their faith and believing that God could do that, that did it. But even no matter what her thought was that did it, it was her faith that she says, I need to touch him. I need to go to Jesus. He's the only one that can help, and nobody else helped. And she went out desperately to grab a piece of his garment and be healed. How can, we, how can you be more attentive in 2022? Jesus was the most attentive and present person on the face of the earth 
ever. And you've got to imagine there's mob scenes around him of people. We see this all throughout the Gospels, reaching for him, asking him questions, um, just mobbing him just to touch him, uh, to be healed, begging him to heal somebody. And did he notice her? We don't know. We'll see that, that he's looking for her. But at the moment, did he notice her in the midst? Was, was he attentive to that? You know, when some of us identify with this and what, what she's going through, we feel her pain. We talked about that. We feel what she's going through and sense what she's going through. And maybe we need to be aware that Jesus can help. Maybe our awareness needs to grow in saying, I need to get into his presence. I need to get close to him for him to work in me. To maybe just strengthen me in the midst of this journey that I'm going through. We need to become more attentive to the Lord in that. And maybe you say, I got nothing like that going on. I don't have any kind of illness. I'm doing well. I have no kind of major thing. You know, I got little stuff, but nothing. That's, that's big. I have nothing like that. Let me ask you, are you attentive to the people around you that are dealing with that? Are you attentive? Or are we too busy with our distractions, our own lives, that we're attentive to a person hurting next to us? That God may be calling us to uplift. God may be calling us to encourage, to be a prayer support for the person. Are we attentive to that? I got to be honest, I get distracted by a lot of things. A lot of stuff going on, and I'm, I'm going, 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 and I become aware of the person's struggle. I have no clue. Especially when people don't share it, when it's that deep and that hurting. I don't know what's going on. Am I attentive? Maybe the Lord is calling you to be more attentive. Maybe the Lord is calling you to saying, how can I help? Lord, how can I help? How can I uplift somebody who's hurting? How can I be an aid to them? What could I do? Maybe the Lord is calling you to do that. So let's go back to the story. She is desperate to have Jesus' heal her, so she reaches out to touch the hem of his garment. Now, I'm going to switch. We're in Matthew. I'm going to switch to the book of Mark. Mark has the same story, but has a lot more detail. And I think it's fun to go into detail. So we're going to go into some more details of the story. So Mark chapter 5, verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed from her affliction. Wow. Could you imagine having that feeling? For 12 years, you know you're not healed, and then instantly you're like, oh, I'm healed. Is it true? I think it is. I don't feel the blood anymore. I'm healed. I'm healed. Like the process of all that happening in the midst of all the people around you are like, whoa, I think I'm healed. I'm healed. I can go home. Now I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go back home, and I could tell people I'm clean, and I could celebrate, and we could have people over. I don't have to worry about getting anybody else unclean. Oh, finally free. And all these thoughts are swirling within her head at that very moment. Maybe the thoughts of, I could be normal again. Go in her mind. And then it goes on from Matt, Mark 5, 30 through 31. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself the power that had gone out from him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging around you, and you say, who touched me? It's, it's, it's comical. I mean, when you understand how many people are around Jesus all the time pressing, I mean, the disciples had to be the ones kind of like pushing people. They're like the bodyguards kind of thing. Um, that'd be cool if they, had, they didn't have technology, but all the earpieces, they, they would have had all that. 
you know, wearing all the same matching coats, sunglasses, whatever, you know, and, and pushing people away to keep them away. But there, there, I mean, when you have like 30 or 40 people on each side pushing in, I don't care how strong you are. It's more like, okay, we're just going to smush up against Jesus and be a shield. I mean, that's kind of what happens. So, so it's comical. They're like, are you kidding me? You said, who touched you? Everybody's touching you. But Jesus knew something different. He knew, um, he knew that the power went out from him. He was being attentive to the Holy Spirit. He could sense the Holy Spirit was sending the power out from him to heal somebody. He knew somebody was healed. And he wanted to address that person's deeper needs. So it goes on to the next verse in 32. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. So the word looked around here is, is a word penetratingly. That's if that's a word. Penetratingly, like intensely penetrate. That we use for the same word as penetrate. So to look intensely. He didn't just say, hey, who touched me? Okay, let's go. No, he was looking at everybody's faces around him. He said, who touched me? And he kept looking, and he didn't stop. It was intense. He wanted to know who touched him. Why was that so important? The person was healed. You just kind of walk on and go about your day. Praise the Lord. They're healed. Let's keep going. I got a lot to do. Why was it important to him? Because people are important to Jesus. You are important to Jesus. You are valuable. You are loved. You're cherished. And he would want you to know that he's aware of you. And he would be attentive to your needs, your deeper needs. He could have moved on. He needed to minister to her deeper needs, which she needed. He wasn't letting her go. With all the shame and all the guilt, the last thing she wanted to do is be identified as someone did it. She wanted to run back and say, I am free. I can move on. Jesus wasn't letting that happen because she knew that she needed something deeper. And he was attentive to her real needs. And he was looking around. You know, Jesus is attentive to our needs. Sometimes we don't feel it. Sometimes we don't sense. But I want to tell you, Jesus is attentive to what you're going through. And just like this woman, he is looking intently for you to respond, to look back at him so he could interact. Sometimes we get in the midst of what we're going through and we just kind of shut down. We got to shut down. We got Okay, I tried that prayer thing for the first two years. Nothing happened. I'm just going to, I'll go to church, praise the Lord, and kind of go through my motions. It's kind of be cold, right? And Jesus is chasing after you, trying to get your attention. That's saying, I love you. You are valuable to me. I want to speak to you. See, the thing is, we could go and walk through life and just kind of go through the motions, but we need Jesus to speak to us. And then we need to run before him in his word and prayer and allow him to speak. I need to hear his words. They, people could tell me all nice things about Jesus. If I don't hear from him, I'm still a wobbly mess. You know, I need him to strengthen me. I need his support. And Jesus knew that, and Jesus was responding because he knew she needed that. How can you be more attentive in 2022? Jesus is calling us to the same level of attentiveness as him. Now, I understand Jesus is God, but you also have to understand he is fully God, fully human, relying on the Holy Spirit. So he gave us the picture of what it is as a human to rely on the Holy Spirit. 
Now, I understand he has an advantage over us. I get that. <laughs> but that's what he desires for us to be attentive because in that attentiveness to other people, he can use us. In that attentive to other people and attentive to the Lord, he can speak to us. So his desire is for us to have sweet communion with him throughout the day, not just, okay, I want to encourage you, if you do not have a time with God every day, make that a priority. He wants to speak to you. And those who are having a time with God every day, I want to encourage you throughout the day, say, Lord, I welcome you into this. Lord, that you would lead me. I want to be attentive to your spirit in my job, in the midst of the chaos going on. I need you to speak and move. In the midst of my family, when I'm at home, Lord, I need you. Help me to be gentle and not explode when things don't go the right way. I, just, I have to pray that more often. You know, and, and, and just asking Jesus to enter in to what you're going through, that the Lord would lead you, the Holy Spirit would help you to be attentive. You know, some of the chaotic times, you kind of have to just stop and pause everything for a moment. Me being chaos and trying to get things done, it just slows me down. It does. I don't know if you're in chaos, you can't think straight and you keep going. But if you just pause and think, well, I can't pause to ask God because I got too much going on. No, then you need to pause. And ask God. And then when you pause, you ask God and say, Lord, I need you. I cannot do this on my own. I'm in chaos. Lord, you are in control of my life. My life. You hold me in your hand that you would help me through this. You would give me the wisdom. You would give me your peace. I need it right now. Lord, help me not to respond in fear, but help me to respond in faith to what you have for me. Those are type of things. You pause and you do that. And allow. And some may have to stay there longer than I just prayed, Right? You have to stay for a longer expanse of time. There's times, you know, I'm stopping every couple minutes because the chaos just erupts right back, you know, and you need to do that. That's going to help you be attentive to what and give you strength because in chaos, I'm weak. Even not in chaos, I'm weak. I need the Lord, you know, to help me through it. So Jesus being that level tenderness, even in the midst of Jesus in chaos, going on around it. Jesus was attentive. Uh, when they were coming to arrest Jesus, you have the soldiers coming, the, the, the priests, the whole mob scene coming to arrest Jesus, right? And then Peter, he's going to be brave. He pulls out his sword. He swipes at one of the guys and his ear gets chopped off, right? And uh, there's just chaos going around. And Jesus rebukes Peter for doing that. And in this is a chaos. You figure, oh, does he just move on and deal with what's going on? No, in the midst of chaos, Jesus was attentive. This man just got his ear cut off. And it's just like a subtle little thing, and then Jesus just reaches out, heals his ear, and in the midst of him getting arrested. Like, come on, I'm in chaos. If I'm in the middle of arrested, I'm going to be worried about this guy's ear. I'm not. I'm sorry for that poor man, but I am not. <laughs> but Jesus being attentive, he was. And think about how that would have touched him. You know, he's like, my, he would have blood from, you know, when he grabbed his, you know, and he goes, I feel my ear. Is that my ear? Is that, do I, is that my ear? Did, you know, he would have done that, and then he would have, he would have went down and picked up. Does that match? <laughs> you know, he, he would have been, but think about that. Who is this man that could heal me? You know, they're coming to arrest. Why are they arresting this guy? He has the power to heal my ear. 
Is this a great prophet? Why would you write? You know, and think about that. I wonder there's that he became a follower of Jesus later on. And he told this, you retold the story. Like, I wonder. I, we don't know. Maybe somebody's read something that I haven't that says he has. But Jesus was attentive and, and reached out and touched him. You know, in the midst of chaos, being attentive like that. And those are times we need to stop and pause before the Lord and allow him to minister in and through us during those times of chaos. You know, and sometimes, even in this, the Lord calls us to be attentive. And sometimes the Lord says, you know what? I want you not to respond to this. This person need, I don't want you to respond. And we need to be attentive to that. Because some of us are ministers, right? We see somebody need, let me help this person. Oh, this person need, let me do this. And let me do this. And let me do this. And we become overwhelmed and burdened because we're doing too much. And the Lord will say, you know, no, no, no. Be attentive to me. That's for somebody else. I have somebody else I have to minister that. That's not for you. You know, the Lord calls me to, to youth ministry. And I work with teenagers, so most of my time is with teenagers. I do minister with some adults, but most of it's with teenagers. And that, I know that. And I know if there's needs, I'm like, that's not, that's not who I have to deal with, right? The, someone else in the church will minister to that person. I have to say no. You know, it's interesting. The story that follows this story, I mean, we're gonna, when Jesus leaves Jairus' house, Spoiler alert, I gave you a little bit. But um, when Jesus, Jesus leaves Jairus' house, the synagogue ruler's house, he starts walking. And then he hears shouts. Two blind men are shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Blind men, opportunity to heal people. Jesus is super attentive. Does he stop? No. He keeps walking. Those poor guys are blind. They want to be healed. And he keeps walking. How rude. How inconsiderate. You're not godly, Jesus, if you're doing that. Only godly people would stop and help people, right? What's wrong with you? You know, we say some of those things. I should because they need it. And if I'm not, I'm not a good Christian. You know, you think about this. Jesus kept walking. See, guys? I didn't even think he, he acknowledged them. And he's most, he knew what was happening. They were loud. Those guys are loud. But interesting, he kept walking and walking. In the place he was staying at night, he walks into the house and those guys, how persistent they were and how much faith they had, they followed Jesus right into somebody's house. I'm like, excuse me, is this your house? But they walked right in and then Jesus healed them. Why didn't he heal them earlier? Because you know what he was saying? Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, a messianic term. That's saying, Jesus, the Messiah, heal us. Jesus, the Messiah, heal us. And if Jesus would have responded, he would have been declaring everybody, I'm Messiah, which he did in a lot of ways that were really straightforward. But, you know, that might, I think, would have been a little more. And it was not his time to reveal who he was to go up to the cross and die because that's what happened when they said, oh, you know, Pharisees would have wanted to kill him at that point. And so instead, he's like, it's quiet here. It's in the house. There's not mobs and crowds. You're healed. Your faith has made you well. But it's interesting. The Lord may say, not now. You need to be attentive to the Holy Spirit when? To, to move. Maybe the Lord is leading, raising somebody up. Maybe here, God is raising you up saying, I need to get involved in ministry. God has me, has gifted me. You may not feel gifted. We we're talking about with students yesterday. God has gifted you whether you know it or not. And God will empower you to do ministry. And maybe God is calling some of you to be raised up to step into ministry. So those who are ministering to so many people can be relieved of some ministry. They wouldn't feel that extra burden. Maybe God is calling you to be attentive to those around you and minister. 
And if, the, if God is calling you to that, I'm, I am challenging you, you need to have a time with the Lord on a daily basis. You need to have a time hearing from God, or else you're not ministering out of the Spirit. You're ministering just what you think is good, and that's not helping anybody. Because when you minister to people, you need to be reliant on the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to lead. And if you're not with Him, you're not going to hear His response, and you're not going to respond to it. So I want to challenge you. God is calling some of you to rise up, to be involved in ministry, to get involved. God is calling some of you who are not having time with God where you can commune and hear from him to have that time because he wants to use you. And if he uses you, you get to see him do really cool things through you. Like, I can't believe God just did that. I got to be a witness of that. That's amazing. Praise the Lord. I've been praying for this person for the last three months, and look what God did. This is amazing. Praise the Lord. When you get involved in ministry, you get to see God. And he wants you to be a part of that. Okay, let's go back to the story. So Jesus, remember, was looking penetratingly, intensely into the crowd for this woman, right? Who touched me? And then let's keep going. So Mark 33 through 34. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. You hear this, you see this, the woman all of a sudden gets called out for sneaking up behind Jesus and touching his robe. And she realizes she can't hide anymore. So she comes before trembling before him in fear, knelt down before him, tells him the whole truth. I got to tell him everything. She thought she would have been condemned. She thought she did something wrong. And you got to figure all the shame that she's had over all those years with disease and saying, oh, you're sinful. What's wrong with you? She would have felt all that shame. I am sinful. I've done this wrong. I don't deserve this. Oh, my goodness. I, I, I should have asked permission. I didn't ask permission. I should have asked. You know, she would have went through all this shame, and she would have been lying before the Lord. Now, it's interesting. Jesus being attentive to the Holy Spirit, fully connected with the Father, how he responds. He didn't respond in judgment to her. These are such sweet words, he says. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. He calls her daughter, a loving term, like a father to a daughter. And I have a daughter, and I know those loving terms when you have a daughter and the love that is felt there. And she's a woman who acted in faith. And we know it's faith that makes us right before God. So at that moment, did she, did she fully believe everything about who Jesus was yet? No, but there was that faith that he says, you're going to be a child of God. I know the future in the I know what's going to happen. And I wonder if that's part of why he says daughter, or it's just a loving term that he wanted her to understand that she's loved and cherished. He said, your faith has made you well. It was because of your faith, not because of touching that garment. It was your faith that made you well. You had faith. He wanted her to speak to her that you had the faith that made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Jesus saw the greater need. He saw that she needed to understand that she was loved and that she was valuable and that she was precious to him. He needed to know that it was her faith. Because of your faith, you were healed. You need to have that faith. Also, she needed to know for certain, you need to go in peace, not in shame, not in anxiety, not in chaos, not being overwhelmed. You need to go in peace because guess what? 
It's gone. You are completely healed. You, you are completely healed of what the Lord has of you. Your affliction is gone. She needed to hear that. Because if she didn't hear that, what might have happened? She'd go home, she was healed, and be like, is it going to come back? The next time for a period, is it coming back? Is it going to keep going? No, no, wait. Jesus said, it's healed. My affliction's gone. It's permanent. I don't need to be anxious about it. I can go in peace. It was my faith. It's my faith that did it. You see what Jesus was speaking to her? He was empowering her. He was saying, these are the things. So now she can go and not be overwhelmed and consumed by it. He needed to speak these things to her. He knew what she really needed. You know, those words must have went over and over and over in her head. Think about that. He called me daughter. I was important. I'm not an outcast. I'm not sinful. I don't need to be ashamed anymore. He called me daughter. That was so lovely, daughter. My faith has went my faith. I didn't seem like I had faith. I was just, I, it made me, that made me well. Like she would have been thinking over and over. He said, go in peace and be healed. My affliction is gone. I could be at peace with it. It's gone. And he would have been speaking that over and over. She would have been over and over as she's walking back. She's telling her story to a friend. Let me tell you what Jesus, I don't know if he's a prophet. I don't, I don't know if he's the Messiah, but I'm healed. This is what he said to me. You know, and it would have just went over and over in her head. And Jesus wanted to speak those things to her in a powerful way for her to hear it. How can you be more attentive in 2022? Jesus was headed to go and heal um, Jairus' daughter who had died. But in the midst of the chaos, someone touched her, and he stopped everything. And he was attentive to the needs, not forgetting about that one, because we're going to hear that story, um, attentive to someone who touched him, someone who was seemingly insignificant, right? Someone who was hidden, who didn't want to be out in the open and was too ashamed to come before Jesus and even ask. He was attentive to it, healed and she was healed. What, what if, um, what would have happened if he would just moved on? Guys, I got a lot going on. I got to heal that guy. Let me, somebody's healed. All right, let's go. What would have happened if he would have just moved on and not paused for her and talked to her and spoke into that? What would have happened if Jesus was too distracted like us a lot of times and preoccupied with what was going on? What would have happened if he wasn't attentive to the Holy Spirit? He would have missed an opportunity to minister. He would have, and she would have missed out on what the Lord wanted to speak to her. So many times I've missed out on opportunities right by me. Sometimes I'm too focused on task. I got to get there. This is what I have to do. And I just blow by opportunities that the Lord has for me because I'm not attentive to the Holy Spirit. I'm just too preoccupied or chaos is going on in my mind and, and stuff. And instead I explode instead of of speaking lovingly and dealing with the situation and, and, and things are just going on. What if I would have missed that? I'd have missed an opportunity. And the Lord wants to have us respond to opportunities. This reminds me of the story of Mary and Martha um, in Luke 10, 38 through 42. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his words. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. 
And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. So you have pictures of two different people, Mary and Martha, um, one who was attentive and one who was distracted. Right? Mary was the one attentive in the, in the Lord's presence, and Martha was distracted and worried about all the stuff going on. Um, Martha might argue, I was very attentive to the Lord's needs. You know, in that culture, when somebody comes to your house, the woman would take care, would make food, get everything presented, and be, I was very attentive. I was helping. I was doing what I was supposed to. It was Mary. She was slacking. She wasn't doing what she was supposed to. And she would make the argument that she was attentive and Mary wasn't. But it says, Mary is doing what is better. She's in the Lord's presence. You know, both of them were attentive. But Martha's would have looked a little different. If in the midst of all she had to do, it might have looked different. It might have been this. She might have been doing preparations and coming in and pausing and and listening to Jesus' words. And then going back and ministering, going. You know, it would have been more of a, it would have been more back and forth because we have responsibilities, you know. Being before the Lord 24 hours a day, like, God's like, I got stuff for you to do. So how do we do that and still be attentive to the Lord? And she could have done that. But instead, because she was so overwhelmed and consumed, I've been there many times, um, we become burdened and burnt out and angry. And she was, she's like, why isn't she helping me? I got all this to do. Nobody's helping me. What's going on? Why isn't she helping? And then she was so annoyed. She's like, I'm going to tell Jesus, and Jesus is going to tell her off and say, come help me. <laughs> no, no. Jesus said, she's doing what's better. She's adoring. Sometimes we, we spend too much time doing and not enough time adoring and coming before the Lord and just adoring His presence. You need to have that time adoring God's presence. Some of you who do a lot of ministry and involvement, you need to do some more adoring. There needs to be a balance of doing and adoring. That's what God is calling us to do. Because if we're not hearing from Him, we are not successful in ministry. that may mean you may have to drop some things. If you guys are doing too much, it may mean something in ministry may have to be dropped. It may mean um, maybe you're working too many hours at work. Maybe you need to step back on something. But then I can't get my promotion. I can't do this. I can't do that. If that. Well, what does the Lord want? You need to ask the Lord and see that. Seek what he wants for you. It may be, you may be at, uh, dropping some of your, um, let's call it relaxation things you do. Social media, um, TV, movies, um, just like just sitting on the couch, staring out the window. Whatever it is, you may need to draw, say, okay, I could do a little bit less. I don't have to, don't cut it off completely because then you'll get on the other extreme and be burnt out and angry and grumpy. And I've tried that. And you could ask my family, it's not effective. Um, so um, think about it. How is Jesus always attentive to people's needs and not distracted by, I mean, you have thousands of people coming at him, wanting to be healed every day. People always, I have, to, I have to preach the gospel here, 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 here. Uh, you know, I have to heal all these people here, here. How was he not? He spent time adoring. He spent time connecting with the Father. And we see here in Luke 5, 16, it says, so he himself, talking about Jesus, often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. So he often spent that time adoring, connecting, being strengthened, to do ministry, because nobody has the requirements that Jesus has in ministry. You know, if you really think about what he had, and 
the idea of saving the whole world, but he also knew he was pouring into the 12 because he was going to send them out, and that was a lot. But he withdrew to have that time. How, how much more do we need to? You know, the most attentive person on earth did it. I need it even more. We need it even more. So as I was looking up, I looked up something online. I was talking about um, prayer and getting alone with God, and it talked about different places, different times we need to seek God in prayer, besides our daily type time with God. Um, and so I want to go through them because I thought they were helpful. So Jesus spent time with the Father alone. Um, the first one is to prepare for a major task. Jesus was just baptized. He spent 40 days in the wilderness with the Lord, of course, before he was tempted, but before he started ministry. This is a major change, a major task, and he spent time with the Father communing, getting his um, leading, getting his wisdom, coming before him and laying before him. Anytime you go through a major task, you need to be seeking the Lord and spending some time in direction with him. Also, there's also a time to recharge after hard work. Jesus sent the 12 out um, early on in the gospel. He sent the 12 out to go minister. They went out and they preached the gospel. They cast out demons. They healed people. And then they came back and he's like, did he go, yeah, let's keep going. No, he withdrew and they withdrew and they got recharged. And he was able to speak to them and they got alone with the father. It's interesting, even after when you're, you can't keep going, you need times to recharge with the Lord. Also, a, a time to work through grief. And this is time we need, if there's a grieving time, you need to spend time with the Father, letting him comfort you in the midst of that. And Jesus withdrew after John the Baptist, which was a cousin of his. John the Baptist was beheaded, and it said he withdrew. There's a couple reasons why he withdrew, but that is one of those reasons, to work through the grief and, and to commune with the Father. Another one is before making an important decision. Um, You know, hours before Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was praying before the Father, he had a, what, no, that's the wrong one. Early on in his ministry, um, he, oh, before choosing the 12, before choosing the 12 disciples, that's the passage, he prayed all night long. He stayed, he pulled an all-nighter. Jesus actually pulled an all-nighter, if you didn't know. Um, and he prayed for his disciples, who would be the disciples, the 12, communing with the Father, seeking him for important decision. When you're making important decision changes in life, you need to seek the Lord on it. You know, I don't want to make an important decision and say, ah, this seems good, let's go. I want to make sure the Lord's in it, because I've had decisions in my life. I had two, you know, two really good options, and I'm just like, Lord, which one? Which I'm kind of, I'm kind of leaning this one. And I prayed about it, and the Lord's kind of, mm, oh, man, I want that one, though. The Lord's like, mm, like, really? <sighs> All right, Lord. And I pray, and the Lord leads me, and I'm like, wow, this is great. Why did I, what was I thinking? But the Lord knows. Before major decisions, we need to seek the Lord. And if it's not clear, keep seeking him. Sometimes the Lord, I, I found in my life, he has to say, whoa, whoa, I want you to wait for a minute. I want you to wait a little bit. There's reasons why I'm having you wait. Sometimes um, they come, and you know, sometimes you know before, sometimes you find out after. Um, another time is in distress, and this is the one that he was in the garden. In a time of distress, you need to seek the Lord. He is crying out to the Father. It said sweats of blood was coming. And that's, that's a term when there's such intense anxiety, you actually 
the capillaries in your forehead burst and, and blood comes in. So the anxiety, he knew he was going to the cross. He knew he'd be, um, what he was going to experience. And he was calling out and spending time with the Father in times of distress. Once again, if Jesus needed that time before the Father in times of distress, how much more do we need to go before him? And the fifth, the sixth time is to focus on prayer. And this is the verse we um, talked about earlier. He often withdrew to be alone with the Father. And at times of prayer, spending that time on a daily basis with the Lord, if Jesus did it, how much more do we to be attentive to what he has for us? Okay, back to the story. We're gonna have, we have three people so far that was at Jesus' feet for different reasons, but they're at Jesus' feet. Jairus fell at Jesus' feet, the synagogue ruler, saying, Lord, my, my daughter has died. You can make her well. Um, the woman fell in fear before the Lord that I've done this because Jesus was seeking her attention, and then Jesus spoke to her. But that she was before his feet, laying at his feet. And we have Mary just sitting at Jesus' feet, adoring him. So you have different pictures here of people before his feet. But now we're going to go back to Matthew. We went to Mark. We went back to, we're going back to Matthew. And you're going to see a little, like, a sentence or two where Mark gave a lot more detail. So that's why we did that. So let's read together Matthew 9, uh, 22 through 26. But Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. When Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, Make room for this girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when the crowd was put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went out into all the land. So he goes back to, so we see in the beginning that the woman was healed right? The, and he spoke to her, um, calling her daughter, your faith has made you well. And then he goes on, let's keep going, all right. And it was interesting that I wonder, all part of that, Jesus is like, you know, encouraging Jairus, the synagogue ruler's faith, that you know, she was just healed, your daughter's going to be healed too. You know, and, and walking, and they go walk, and he walks in the house, there's a mob, there's all chaos going on, flute players, and mourners, and wailing, and that shows you that she was dead. Even the poorest person in that tradition, in that day, had to have two flute players, and one mourner, one wailer, as part of a funeral ceremony. Like if you go to funerals or, you know, there's usually things we do in funerals. Like, so they had to do that. So obviously, you know, she was dead if that was happening. And then Jesus says, you know, no, 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 she's not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed them. We know she's dead. It's obvious. You know, and he says, okay, everybody out, everybody out. He goes and he takes her by the hand and she's healed and back to life. And news spread out everywhere that she was healed. This is a really big miracle. The synagogue ruler, that news would have spread everywhere. Isn't it interesting, though, that Jesus stopped what he was doing before this to minister to a seemingly insignificant woman along the way? This was a big news. You know, he, raising somebody from the dead, that's like big show, like, all right. But Jesus wasn't about the show, right? Who is Jesus about? He's about people. He loved people. So anybody along the way, he would have touched and ministered to. And he w- but he didn't ignore, he didn't ignore Jairus and, Jairus and uh, the synagogue ruler's daughter. Which was a bigger miracle? Which was a more important miracle? Was it raising the dead? Was it ministering to that woman? Which is the bigger miracle? We would think raising the dead, that's a big miracle. That's a whoo. Which is a more important miracle? 
That's a harder question, isn't it? Both are very important, and both are very big. We see it differently, but Jesus doesn't see it any different. He saw her as being very valuable. And isn't it interesting that this story was not left out of the Bible? Seemingly insignificant pause of Jesus. So many people were healed, but this story is in the Bible. It's not in just one of the Gospels, it's in two of the Gospels. God has it in for a reason. He says, if you feel insignificant, if you feel that shame, if you're going through, I hear you, and I will pause for you, and I will minister to you. And if you feel that way, I want you to know that Jesus is saying, and why it was so important to be in the Word is because you are valuable to Him. And you were loved by him and you were cherished. And he hears your cries. He hears what you're going through. You are not alone, though you may feel alone. You are not alone. He will help you. So how can you be more attentive in 2022? God is calling us to a more deeper and intimate relationship with him. If we are not doing that, is priority number one, two, three, four, and five. That is like, that needs to be a priority in our life. Make it a priority in our lives. Be attentive to the Lord. Have that time with God on a regular basis. God is also calling us to be more attentive throughout the day. Little pauses. Lord, I welcome you into the situation. Lord, that you would speak to me, that you would use me. In the midst of a really difficult person, Lord, give me grace. You know, just welcome in what you're going through and asking him help throughout the day. Be attentive to him and allow him to lead you. And he may be calling you to drop something. Maybe you're doing too much ministry. You feel like, I'm, I'm, I'm putting out every fire. I'm all over the place. And he's calling you to something, to drop some things. You need to seek him this week and say, Lord, is there something you want me to drop this week? Is there something I need to do less of and more attentiveness to you and others? What is it, Lord? So I want all of us to spend time this week evaluating, Lord, how could I be more attentive throughout my day? How could I be more attentive to your presence and what you have for me? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I praise you and I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you are attentive to our needs and our struggles and what we're going through. Lord, I thank you that you are our strength. When we run to you, you help us. Lord, I ask that you would meet us in the midst of all that we're going through and find strength from you. We cannot do it on our own. Lord, and if there are some things we need to drop, that you would help us to make that clear what to drop. Lord, that if there are things we need to be more attentive to, Lord God, that you would show that to us, that you would remove those distractions from around us, the chaos, and help us to pause and meet with you in that. Lord, if there are some here that you are calling them to an ongoing daily relationship with you where you could speak to them through your word and prayer and worship, Lord God, that you would press it upon their heart, Holy Spirit, to do that, that you would bring the change of heart, the desire within them to do that. Lord, we need more of you. We need your attentiveness. Lord, we need your closeness. We need you to speak to us throughout the day. Lord, I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.